welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Crystal Check. Hello ladies. Hi. <laughs> Can I just give a shout out to Faithful Ben? <laughs> My husband. The yeah, Lena's husband who actually edits and records <laughs> and puts these up for us um, because, you know, we have a lot of takes and stuff that we have to do and he just faithfully listens and... Now, if we stumble somewhere in the middle, he's got to listen through and check it. (laughs) So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Good work, honey. (laughs) All right, we're continuing on with our series on Colossians. So we're looking at Chapter 1. And we finished off last podcast by talking about verses 12 to 14. So I'll read them again. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Carolyn gave us a bit of a background last week about how um, in the ancient world when an empire won victory over another, it was custom for that whole population of the defeated country to be transferred into the conqueror's land. Um, So when Paul is saying that God has transferred the Christian to his own kingdom in in this sense he's referring to that but in this case it's not just a transfer but it's also a rescue Mm. so we're looking at four things that this rescue or transference means for us so last week we spoke about how we've been transferred from darkness to light transferred from slavery to freedom and we'll continue on now with the transference from condemnation to forgiveness so for me, I was walking around a condemned person. I was um, I was on death row, um, and through Jesus, I have received forgiveness. So I've been given a full pardon by His blood. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to pay my price, and um, and He did it for me. And that was that was a a massive thing for someone who had been living so darkly, um, for someone to just freely give me that freedom that that um you know that wash away of everything it was huge and um now I'm able to look back on all of the things that I did and it's like I've just you know been completely and utterly forgiven for all of those things I don't need to worry about them anymore yeah yeah I was walking around with so much insecurity just like you know lacking in love Mm. and just all the behaviors that sprung out of trying to fill that gap just all this shame just condemnation thought I was worthless and I didn't and I would have to just try and work and earn this love and then Mm. here's some forgiveness completely free Mm. changed my life and Romans 8 1 to 2 therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And, you know, apart from God, we do deserve condemnation, mm. um, you know, because all have sinned and fallen short. Yeah. Um, but because of that sacrifice of Christ, we, as you say, Lena, we receive that love and forgiveness, and so we don't stand condemned anymore. Um, you know, and I think for me that was a big thing as well. And I still sometimes struggle with it, it's just to to get my head around that I can never ever in myself have righteousness or earn righteousness yeah um it's only I can only have righteousness through Christ and if you can just really 
get that into your head, then it does give you a peace from that striving and mm-hmm. trying to earn. And, and I do step into striving still often um, and just have to realize that I can't ever, you know, and, and I think it's sometimes as well it will come out of, well, I really want to please you, God, and, I, you know, I really condemn myself if I have wrong thoughts or, you know, yeah. I would do something wrong or blow it. And, and so there's still that often that effort of, you know, but I think maybe the motive now is more out of I want to be pleasing to God. But yeah. to still just to get my head around that, that I have the righteousness of Christ. And when he looks at me, he sees Christ. Yeah. Um, and so that does take you out that condemnation. Although the enemy would be very quick to heap on condemnation. And, mm. and that's where it's really important that we know the word of God. Scriptures like that, Romans 1, where we can take our thoughts captive and we can actually answer with that scripture and mm. not take on that condemnation. That's really important that we, we don't take that on. Yeah. So forgiveness, I liked this. It's the deliverance of the sinner from the penalty divinely and therefore righteously imposed. Because mm. you know we can like to wriggle our own. I'm not. I'm a good person. Yeah. I do good things. Yeah. But this is righteously imposed, yeah. and it was the complete removal of the cause of offence, and that's totally by the work of Christ. Nothing to do with us. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I think that what you're saying is righteously imposed because God is a God of justice. All his ways are just. Yeah. You know, and we're often, oh, that's not fair or whatever. But no, when it comes to, you know, God, it's just. Yeah. And we did deserve, as you say, that penalty. Yeah, it got taken. And, and you know, the great thing as well is that um, not only can we no longer need to stand condemned, but we can also approach God as well. I'm just done yeah. preparing for a sermon that I'm going to preach in the next few weeks just on Hebrews 10, just about that coming boldly. Yep. Um, and, you know, because of his sacrifice, that curtain was torn, and we can go into the Holy of Holies ourselves to actually meet with the Father because of Christ. So it's not only just, you know, transferred from condemnation to forgiveness, but actually having that legal right to mm. approach the Father ourselves as well through Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Mm. Okay, and we are also transferred from the power of Satan to the power of God. So, um, yeah, for me, I no longer need to bow to Satan. Um, He has no power over me anymore unless I choose to give him a foothold through allowing bad habits and sin to come in again um but um you know and i do sometimes we do have those slip-ups and those you know um losing your temper or you know all those things but we are able to go to god and say Mm. i have just stuffed up again Mm. i'm really sorry and he's like it's okay i forgive you you know try to do better next time or you know something like that but um he's He's just that, I don't know, amazing that we don't have to um, strive or work towards becoming more like Jesus in that we don't have to work for it. It's been already given to us and Satan still wants us to believe that we have to do something more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have to bow to that anymore it takes your eyes off God doesn't it and it puts it onto yourself and your own efforts and 
I think what you're saying for there as well, you can come to him and ask for forgiveness. So it's not just a the death on his death on the cross was a one off. Mm. It was a sacrifice once and for all that covered everything. Yeah. Um, and I love the Bible talks about the high priest going year after year and stand and do their thing. Whereas Christ, once he'd done it, he sat down. Yeah. So it was once off. And, and what you're saying about we can keep going and asking for forgiveness, the Bible tells us we've got a high priest who is in heaven interceding for us. And so... We can go to him, you know, if we blow it or, or sin, yeah. and go and ask for forgiveness. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. That and this is a precious, precious gift that we should in no way take advantage yeah. of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was just thinking because, like I said, I've been preparing for that sermon, and I was just thinking about that. You know that um, that where God tore that um, curtain that, you know, separated from the Holy of Holies and only the priest was allowed in there when when Jesus died and, you know, said it's finished and gave up his spirit, where that was torn from top to bottom, which was, you know, a physical signifying of now you can come into this. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, um, yeah, we can we can praise the Lord and have thanksgiving. And, you know, David talked in the sermon about a lot of Christians just stay there in those article, you know, courts and don't ever come in. And, and I just thought that for that curtain to be torn, um, you know, in the natural and obviously in the spiritual, it means that Jesus has made a way through, you know, his death for us to approach God. Just how, how much that cost him mm. and just how... How many people don't actually take advantage of that and actually like that cost Jesus everything we need to you know just be so grateful for that that we actually do go into that holy of holies and we actually make time to to go and worship God and yeah. to actually spend time in his presence and how many people are not availing themselves of that opportunity that costs so much yeah. well how much did God want it yeah. For him to send Jesus yeah, in the exactly. first place. Because yeah. he wants us. He wants us it's not, it's, he doesn't need us. Yeah. He wants yeah. us. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that really got me is that I'm not needed, yeah. but I am wanted. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And so much so that he tore the veil, yeah. that he died yeah. and gave up his own yeah. blood for me to be able to walk into yeah. his presence. Yeah. And and, how, and and it made me think as well how sometimes, you know, you might get busy doing mm. service or even maybe not spend that time actually going into his presence and, and, and sitting aside and doing it and how, like, you know, it's so important and he's made that way and are we actually taking advantage of that in a good way? You know, yeah. being grateful, it cost Jesus everything. What are we actually doing with that yeah. opportunity that we have to go into the Father's presence? Um, just talking about this transfer as well, and um, when um, just when Paul was talking to King Agrippa, and he was recounting, you know, his journey on on the road to Damascus, and you know, his his conversion, mm-hmm. Acts twenty eight eighteen, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Um, you know, so we set free from Satan's grip, and I love, I love the scripture that tells us that Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers on the cross. I love that scripture. Mm. I remind Satan of that when he's, you know, trying to attack me. I'll just remind him of that. Disarmed 
Yeah. yeah. Totally means no weapons, stripped of everything, totally disarmed, and then he made a public spectacle of it. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, you just remind Satan of that the next time he's trying to get in your head, and you know he'll go. Um, but that disarming, we've been transferred from darkness into holiness and light, and so Satan's got no hold on us when we're in Christ, and because we have the righteousness of Christ, and so whatever he tries to condemn you with or throw. You just got to answer back with scripture like Jesus did. No, I have the righteousness of Christ. You know, yeah. not there's no condemnation, and you've been disarmed. And so it's really important that we don't give Satan a foothold in our life by actively sinning or maybe holding on to our sin. And you know, this is why in the Old Testament as well, God told the Israelites time and time again. You know, when they conquered, um, you know, another country or whatever, to destroy every living thing. Yeah. Because when they kept it alive, it would always influence and corrupt them and it turned them away from God. And that happened um, time and time again. And that's what holding on to hidden sin does to us. It gives Satan that foothold into it, back into our lives. And we need to not give up this territory because it costs Jesus everything. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that transferred from the power of Satan to the power of God. But just do not give him a foothold. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have been transferred from darkness to light from slavery to freedom from condemnation to forgiveness and from the power of Satan to the power of God alright we're going to move on now to verses 15 to 20 it says the sun is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he was writing to address um, a situation. He was writing to address the Gnostics who were trying to introduce their false teaching into the church, which is about a they're trying to bring in another Jesus from the one the Bible teaches. So what they, they teach is that matter is evil and spirit is good. So according to them, the created world is evil and inferior as opposed to the spiritual world, which is good. So God is spirit could not have created the world. So you need to have layers between God and the world. And the only way you can transfer from darkness to light is through spiritual knowledge and experience. And as a side note, if you want to learn more about this, you can check out our Lifehouse podcast, The Deception in the Church series, parts 3 to 7. It will be very illuminating. <laughs> okay, so let's, we're going to talk now about how dangerous this teaching was in, in terms of Jesus needing to be a sacrifice for our salvation. You know, um, as Lena said, the Gnostics, they didn't like the simplicity of the gospel and they wanted to turn it into philosophy. And, and as you said, Lena, their starting point was the basic assumption that matter's evil and spirit's good. And, and so believed that the world was created out of the evil matter. And you can see how that clashes straight away anyway with the word of God because creation, the world was created out of nothing by the word of God. And God said it was good. Yes. yes. 
and and their main problem, like you said, so if matter was evil, then the body's evil. So Jesus um, and who he was, a revelation of God, couldn't have had a real body. And they even believed that when he walked, he didn't leave footprints. Did you say that already? No. <laughs> um, and so they completely denied the manhood or the humanity of Jesus. And, you know, you can see how it clashes with Scripture and what you said, how dangerous it is because Jesus had to be fully human to be that substitutory sacrifice for us. Yeah. It was the only way for us to have that substitution. Um, so... So in Hebrew 9.22, it says, In fact, the law that requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. So can you just see how Satan would really want this teaching to come in? Because um, without that, and you know, if it's not human, then you can't. No. Yeah, you can't be a substitution. Um, and verse 27 to 28, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Hebrew 10:10, 10, 10, and by, by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body mm. of Jesus Christ once for all. So there again, you know, their belief clashes totally with scripture Romans 5.15 but the gift is not like the trespass for if the many died by the trespass of the one man how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ overflow to the many you know, so I'm just trying to show you and these scriptures are very clear it talks about Jesus being a man having mm-hmm. a body um, you know, and, and the Bible also says the blood of goats and bull doesn't bar forgiveness or cleansing from sin so we had to have that human substitute, and that was the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if Jesus wasn't human at all, then how could he be our example, you yeah, know? Exactly. How can we um, follow someone that hasn't been through our, you know, through what we're going through? or mm. But he went through so much more than we, you know, we have to face. Um, so if he was never really a man, was he ever really tempted? Yeah, that's right. Um, was he ever really dead? Yeah. Um, so he was, you know, for us, it was was he ever in pain? How can he understand my pain if he's, you know? Yeah. But he was man, and yeah. he does understand, and he does, he has been through pain far worse than I ever hope I have to go through. Yep. And um, so for me, if he was never a man, then you know what's the point of living this way and the scripture says he's a man and and that's the thing that's why Paul specifically wrote this letter because he had to refute this heresy because you yeah. can see how dangerous and deadly it is it could have been the end of Christianity if it's allowed to come in do you know what I mean because yeah, it's, yeah that whole thing of, of Jesus being fully human yeah um, is crucial and if he was evil he couldn't be a perfect sacrifice yes. because he wouldn't be perfect. Yeah, and so yeah. you can see Satan's hands all over that teaching. Yeah. And because that is the only way for us to get to the Father, to get to heaven, and if you take that away, then there is no other route. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it really is like plays into that pride of life, that pride man has, that mm. you can attain equality with God by knowledge and yeah. Spiritual experience. Trying to be yeah. good yourself. Yeah. 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 If you just work hard, you can yeah. make it. Exactly. Tara Babel all yes, over again. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And that's at the root of all these heresies and, fault and deceptions are all the same, isn't it? Yeah. Straight down to self and, you know, fueled by Satan and questioning God. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so to address this deception, Paul wrote this passage and he's got four things to say about Jesus. So he is, well, we'll just start off with verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So, Carolyn, do you want to talk about the meaning of image? Yeah, so here the word um, that Paul uses for image is icon, and here is talking about a perfect image that's a manifestation of God. And so to see what God is like, we need to look at Jesus. And Jesus said himself as well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, the dictionary image, um, in the dictionary, the, the meaning for image says, a personal thing that resembles another closely, a copy or a double. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. John 14.7-10, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Mm-hmm. And that's because he's the exact image, hey? How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Mm. Well, even, you know, I think about my children. A lot of people will say to me, wow, they really look like mm-hmm. me or Barry or whoever they happen to look like that day. Um and, you know, if you also think about it as a mirror, um, you know, you can look at yourself and, and you see yourself, whereas Jesus was God and man in one. So if you look at Jesus the man, you're actually looking at Jesus the Father in the way that he, um, you know, was good. He was he was perfect and he... Um, you know, the way that he ca- he carried himself, the way that, you know, you think about the mannerisms that your children have of you, well, that's what I think. If I had have seen Jesus in the flesh, mm-hmm. that's how I would see God because he was everything God was. Yep. I think, I think it's really important that Jesus told us that, especially for people like me, maybe. <laughs> you know, sometimes... <laughs> when you're striving in that you have this image I don't know I've had this image of the father as being this older sterner version <laughs> the mean guy you know, <laughs> find it easier to relate to Jesus and God but you know but he came specifically to open that way to the father that we could go to the father through him and, and you know so Max it very clear if you've seen me you've seen the father so it's not a, a sterner version you know the loving compassion that we um, find in Jesus is in the Father as well. And I think sometimes people maybe struggle a little bit with that concept. You know, yeah. They might find it easier to relate to Jesus, but, you know... Um, sort of like a, a peer thing. So if you've got a friend who's a peer, but their dad is like the policeman, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, yeah. I don't want to get on the bad side yeah, of him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you know, so I think there might be a lot of Christians that don't go into that holy of holies like we talked about, and they spend their whole life in you know, a relationship with Jesus, which obviously is paramount. But 
he did come to take us to the Father as well, to yeah. show us, you know, the way to the Father. So I think that's really important. And, um, you know, you, you just look at what Jesus is saying here, you know, he, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and we created in God's image as well. Mm. And you can just see how sin distorts that, yeah. you know, and just puts people off. Um, yeah. So as we are growing, our goal is to become more and more Christ-like. So just as Jesus saying, if you see me, you've seen the Father, we should be always striving for when people see us, they see Jesus in us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sin distorts that in. Yeah. All right. And Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. This is the verse that the Jehovah Witnesses like to use to say that Jesus is um, created. <laughs> and, you know, there it doesn't mean that. It's not talking about in terms of time. It doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It's the, the Greek there, the first one's prototokos. And it was actually a title of honor, or meaning preeminent one, a title of the Messiah. And, you know, just as the firstborn had certain rights and privileges in those days, so Jesus has certain rights in relation to all of creation. He's got priority, preeminence, sovereignty. Um, and note, it doesn't say firstborn of creation. It says, but over creation, so meaning preeminent, okay? Um, in Hebrew and Greek thought, the word firstborn, the prototokos, it's a title of honor. For example, the nation of Israel, Exodus 4.22, is... Um, this is God telling um, you know Moses what to say. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. So clearly a figure of speech. It's not Israel as the first, you know, mm. the nation. It indicates Israel's special relationship with God. Psalm 89:27, And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. There again, the highest of the kings, the privilege, the position. That's what firstborn there is talking about. And so when Paul talks about firstborn, he's, he's, he's talking about this, this prototokos, highest um, honor in creation belongs to Jesus, not that he's literally a created being. Yeah. Um, when I looked up on Bible Hub, two things came up that I, I really loved, so I've written them down here. Um, it um, specifically, prototokos specifically refers to Christ as the first to experience glorification at his resurrection for this and countless other reasons jesus is preeminent also he is the unequivocal sovereign over all creation and then that prototokos refers to the first among others who follow as with the preeminent glorified christ which to mean which to me means that there will be others us who get to experience that process so he was the first First to to do what he did so then we get to follow yep. in that yeah yep. and i think that's the important thing that's the deception that satan would have it brought in that oh christ is firstborn in terms of he is created which again is is that teaching that he's not god so yeah. it's the yeah. opposite side you know um agnostics were attacking his humanity this comes from the other side of attacking his divinity if you can say he's created yeah then he wasn't god so yeah 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 and is the heir of all things. That's right. Okay, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
Okay, so the Gnostics believed in that they were intermediaries between God and man and they just put Jesus in that sort of category as an intermediary between man and God. But Paul is confirming here that Jesus is supreme over all. So he's not merely just an intermediary or helper between God and man, but he's the authority and power over all. And through him all things were created by his power for his pleasure. Mm. And I think that's, you know, what you're saying there. Um, it's so important. He remi- I'm just reminding you that Paul wrote this whole letter in the first place to refute these heresies that were trying to come in, and, and especially this Gnostic teaching. Um, as you said, Lena, they believe he's an intermediary. They had this highly developed system of angels, and, you know, so they believe they had all these different ranks of it, and there are all these intermediaries um, and different grades of angels. And, um, yeah, so Paul, when he's writing this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven, etc., he's just totally out of hand, just dismissing their beliefs by pointing out that Jesus created everything. He was not inferior, he wasn't a secondary agent at all, but, you know, he's the son of God, he is God, and he's above all others, so he's not just classed as one of those angels or intermediaries. Um, I think, too, that, you know, it's it's good for us to to read that because then we get to realize that there are no others yep mm. that he is it yep. that there is none like him yep and um it's a good reminder for us that we get to call him brother you know yes. we get to call him our savior and our um the one who loves us you know and he is there is no one else like him anywhere and the Bible's clear, the Bible says there is one mediator, as you're saying, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Yeah. Alright, so verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So, he is before all things, the position that Jesus holds. I think there's, well, that before all things is really, Paul's really um, just whacking them right out of the ballpark here with the, the heresies he you know, so he's before all things, so he was before everything, before creation. He's not a created being. Again, position as well. All things were created for him as well as by him. Um, creation was created to be him. Everything exists only because of him. Yeah. And I love, uh, when I think about it, he was, he was with God the entire time. And even like our little space and time thinking mm. he was he's outside of that yeah yeah that's just massive yep before he was born he was yes <laughs> <laughs> and even there were times when he even appeared yeah pre-incarnate jesus you know the fourth person walking around in the fire as well with um meshach and the bed going yeah you know, it's your favorite book right now it is <laughs> <laughs> Um, John 1, 1 to 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And John eight fifty eight. very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I am, that is, I was, hey, I <laughs> yeah, am. that's it. I'm absolute, yeah. complete, am. perfect, whole. Yeah. I am. <laughs> and you can just imagine the deep Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs>
I am. <laughs> I am. But even there, in terms of what we were talking about previous podcasts, are just about um, you know having to persevere and endure and need and difficult circumstances to remember that he is I am. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I am for every single situation that you might be going through. Not I will be or mm. I could be. I am. That present yeah. help is there. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul says, in him all things hold together. I like that. I think of it like this. Um, I was falling apart, much like the world is at the moment. And in him I found freedom and healing, and he put all my broken pieces back together when I asked him to become the Lord of my life. And he completed the bits that were missing or stolen to make me whole again. So I still have scars, and I still have... You know, those bits that aren't quite matched up, but I am a whole of what I, you know, didn't used to be. Yeah. And I think the important thing, if you, you know, how you've related that to your person, to yourself, the important thing, those words, in him. Mm. So it's only in him that that happens. Now, I looked at that scripture, in him all things hold together, looking at just all of the laws, Mm. gravity, um, all the laws by which the universe holds together and not just going spinning crazy aren't all of the scientific laws. They're not only scientific, but they're divine as well, you yeah. know. Um, and science will always prove God anyway because God is the author of it all. And so Jesus is not only the creator of the world, you know, that Paul's um, said before, you know, he's created it, he's stressing that, but he's also the sustainer. He's just mm. holding it all in place. You think of how... You know, we honour this ball that's spinning in space and, you know, just how everything is held together. And that's, that's what he's done just by the power of his word. And how just a slight movement off track can yeah. ruin everything. Yeah. I love Hebrews 1, the first part of um, verse 3. says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful oh, word. Yeah. I love mm. That's like how amazing that God's word is so mm. powerful. It's the word that all just holds it all, yeah. and it, and it was just His word that spoke it all into being. Yeah, yeah. I love at school when the kids um like we've been doing we're doing information reports and we're studying sea animals, and um you know we you know there's something amazing. Obviously God's creation is amazing, but you know often like you know we were doing sea turtles um last week and and it's like these turtles go back to the beach where they were born to lay their eggs. Yeah. And the kids are like, how do they know like, where to go? Because then they go out to sea and they just stay out for 10 to 15 years. How do they know? And I love just because the age they're at, they just, you know, accept. And I'm just saying because that is how amazing God is, how amazing he created and made the stuff that God put that in them, that they yeah. just know. And I love, though, that they don't argue Question. with me or whatever yeah. they just accept it whenever I get the opportunity to do that or to say that kind of thing I just you know try and sow that and say and it's just because God made it like that because yeah. he's, you know his creation so amazing and, well he's amazing not the creation but you know yeah yeah all right is there anything else to add no okay so we've looked at that Jesus holds all things together. So yeah, I do have something to add. Oh, well, <laughs> go on then. <laughs> just, just, just want to encourage people. Um, no matter what you're going through, if it feels like your personal world is falling apart, spinning apart, 
just remember that he sustains everything yeah and just go to him and he can sustain all of that for you as well okay mm. sorry for interrupting i just thought that was mm-hmm. good. i just want to encourage people with that yeah, yeah. Excellent. He can sustain the world that's spinning in this vast universe and whatever. He can surely sustain you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good, Caroline. All right, that's all from us this week. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, www.life-house.net, and we'll be talking more about Colossians Chapter 1 next podcast. Hope to see you then. Mm-hmm.